0: You're listening to The Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to see you all here. This morning we'll be continuing our sermon series through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this week we'll be honing in on the first part of verse 10, Your Kingdom Come. As always, though, for context's sake... We're going to be reading the lesson on prayer in full. So if you wanted to turn with me to Matthew 6, 5 to 13, you can go ahead and do that now. Matthew 6, 5 to 13. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. And he says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So you probably haven't noticed this about me, but I'm actually a huge nerd um, maybe some of you have, but uh, the reason I say that is I'm really into into fantasy books and medieval stories about kings and castles and knights and dragons, hobbits and elves, even even talking lions. Uh, anything, so anything from Vikings to Robin Hood to ancient Rome to Middle Earth to Narnia, you, you you can count me in. And some of you may remember that I even had a Lego castle set up in my office for a while. It, it's true. I'm not I'm not ashamed of this, but um, I had to. I had to take it out of my office because uh, some of your kids were destroying it. (laughs) So now it's at home and my kids are destroying it. So I guess it doesn't matter. But anyways, the reason I bring that up is because due to my love of all things medieval, sometimes when I read your kingdom come during the Lord's Prayer. My mind can't help but instantly picture the kind of kingdom I might see in a, a King Arthur movie or something like that, one with stone castles and drawbridges and catapults and crossbows and a throne room, and I could go on and on forever. And, and even though I know that's not the kind of kingdom Jesus is talking about, my imagine just can't help but go there sometimes because just think about it, though. How cool, nerd awesome would it be if that's what we were praying for? No. Okay. Just me. All right. Cool. 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 Uh, <laughs> but but let me ask you all then. What what do you think of when you hear Jesus teach this? What does it actually mean to pray for Jesus for for God's kingdom to come? And it's a good question to ask, especially since as Christians we should already know and, and believe that Jesus' Jesus's ministry was all about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He, he always said that, that it was at hand. And we should already know, as the Bible reminds us many times throughout, that he's the promised Messiah in the line of David, who would rule as king over God's kingdom, and that he fulfilled that promise through his death and resurrection. Philippians 2, 8-11 gives us a good summary of that, when it says, "In being found in appearance as a man." Jesus is Lord. He, he has authority over all things. One day, every knee will bow to his authority. And, and again, it was Jesus, not our prayers, but Jesus who accomplished this himself and established this eternal kingdom through the cross, which means that whether we pray for it or not, Jesus is and always, he always will be the king of the kingdom of God. And those who believe in his name have, have been made citizens of that kingdom. Our prayers don't change that truth. And that reality. So we have to ask, what does it actually mean to pray your kingdom come? If it's already been established and if Jesus already reigns over it. And the truth is, it actually means a lot. Those three simple words, your kingdom come, carry a lot of depth and importance. But since I don't have a lot of time this morning, I'm going to just touch on some of the implications of what it means to pray this way. And, and if you want more information about the kingdom most of our sermon series from last year focused on that topic we talked about the parables of the kingdom of heaven parables of the kingdom of god so check out our podcast for, about that and uh, we have sermons from christmas talking about jesus born as king we have sermons from easter about how how he was crowned king at the through the cross we we, we have A lot of different sermons that that you can go back to in our podcast to listen to about, about the kingdom of heaven. But for today, we're just going to touch on some of the implications behind this part of the prayer. The perspective that Jesus is teaching us to have here when we pray. That's what we're going to be talking about. And I have five points about that. And I'm sure there are more points, but today I'm going to go through five. And so point number one, I'm just going to jump right into them. Point number one, to pray your kingdom come is to repent, to pray your kingdom come, is to repent, to turn, to turn from the earthly kingdom unto God. So when Jesus be- began his ministry, Satan, or the Satan, or whatever you want to call him, he tempted Jesus by offering him all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, all this can be yours. But Jesus denied the temptation because he knew they were temporary. His goal, rather, his purpose was to establish the eternal kingdom of God, to undo what Adam and Eve had done in the garden when they chose the kingdom of the world over the kingdom of God. Which means that when we honestly pray, your kingdom come, we're following the example of Jesus. It's a promise in prayer to turn from our earthly kingdoms and onto the kingdom of God, to make that our priority. If I can be all nerdy again, like, like a knight laying down his sword in front of a king, we're turning from our old lives and expressing our sole desire to serve and seek the glory of the king and his kingdom. This is the very message that John the Baptist and, and Jesus himself proclaimed during their ministries. Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which means turn, turn from your earthly thrones, from from your worldly desires, from your sinful lives, and set your heart on the Lord. In my opinion, this is the part of the prayer that, that, that holds most of us up. Yet, it's the most significant. In fact, we can't even pray the rest of the prayer properly if we don't get this part right as Jesus says a couple of verses later Matthew, in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first God's rule and reign. This this is priority number one. That has to happen first before we receive any other blessings from God even. But, but usually our hang-up here, or our problem with this, is that we tend on to hold is that we tend to hold on so dearly to our own kingdoms, our, our, our worldly property, our status, our, our things, our temples of concrete, our thrones of leather, our financial security, even even our supposed autonomy or our comfort, our pride. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, we, we have a sinful desire to, to choose our personal kingdoms over the one God's created us to live with Him in. Just, just take a look what... Here's a good test. Just take a look what you tend to invest in or what you spend most of your time on. And that'll give you a good idea of whose kingdom you're actually seeking. Because again, to pray, your kingdom come, is to turn from our selfish or worldly desires. It's to humbly lay down our lives. It's to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. It's to place our allegiance under the king of kings and unto his will. And, and, and we're going to be, be discussing his will next week. So we'll get more into that next week. But bottom line is to repent and proclaim, take the world and give me Jesus. So we, we have to take a moment to ask ourselves here, if this, is, if, if this is really our attitude and sincere desire in prayer, to pray your kingdom, Lord. Not mine, but yours. Which then brings us to point number two, which is to pray, your kingdom come, is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's to place our worship and praise unto the King. And when we pray this way, we're basically joining with the heavenly host mentioned in Revelations five twelve to 13, who, who sang in a loud chorus together, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And, and and this is John's testimony here. And he says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. How often do we come before God in prayer simply to worship him as king? I think we seem to, to remember to pray only when we need something, but... Think of how much our lives would be reoriented and our perspectives changed if we took the time to daily cry out to the Lord in prayer, you are worthy, you are king, you deserve all the glory. Your kingdom is much better than I could ever build. Or as Pastor Blair mentioned earlier, and since it's Thanksgiving today, shouldn't we be spending time thanking God for making us alive and part and of his kingdom? Citizens in his kingdom? So to pray your kingdom come is an act of worship. And that leads us to the next point, which is to pray your kingdom come is a petition of lordship. Point number three, to pray your kingdom come is a petition of lordship. And what I mean by that what I mean is that this this prayer is also a request for Jesus to reign in and over our lives. In other words, to pray this prayer is to joyfully submit to His authority, to His guidance, to His grace. Theologian Timothy Keller writes, "This then is a lordship petition. It is asking God to extend His royal power over." Every part of our lives, emotions, desires, thoughts, and commitments, we are asking God to so fully rule us that we want to obey him with all our hearts and with joy. So when we pray this prayer, remember, we don't make Jesus the king. We don't make Him the King. He's always the King, whether we acknowledge it or not. But rather, when we pray this, we're choosing to submit to Him as our King, both personally and communally, as the body of Christ. We're submitting to Him. Our desire is for His Word to abide in us, for His Spirit to work in and through us, knowing that His ways are better and far more abundant and eternal than our ways. Even more than that, even by praying this, we're acknowledging that to live under God's rule, again, to seek his kingdom first, is to know grace and experience his blessing. Just as Paul prayed for the Ephesians in chapter three, twenty to 21, when he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within, within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So again, to pray your kingdom come is to pray, have your way with us, Lord. Work in us. Be glorified in us for all eternity. Be Lord of our lives. Reign. In us. Which leads us to point number four, which is that this prayer always proclaims our future hope. J.I. Packer writes it like this He says, In one sense, the kingdom is here now, and Christians are in it. But in another sense, that of perfecting the display of God's grace in the world, the kingdom remains future and awaits christ's return the prayer thy kingdom come looks on to that day as christians our our hope lies in the promise that jesus will one day return and fully consummate his kingdom on earth so though we are even now citizens of that kingdom and jesus sits on the throne as the king of kings the truth is the world the, the world is still in a fallen state and our prayer our hope is for the day when Jesus returns and and completely wipes out the kingdom of darkness for good. As it says in Revelation 21, 3-5a, about that that day, John's testimony again, when he says, And I heard a, a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was sealed on the throne said behold I am making all things new that's Jesus saying that as the king behold I am making all things new so yes the king has come we're citizens in the kingdom. He reigns. He sits at the right hand of God on the throne. So the king has come, but he's also coming again to perfect his kingdom, to consummate his kingdom. That is our prayer. That's what we look forward to when we pray this. And, and in my opinion, hopefully he's coming soon. Because seriously, no, no more mourning, or crying, or death, or suffering. He's making all things new. And God himself will be with us, his people. That's what I'm talking about. In fact, that's how theologian Graham Goldsworthy describes the kingdom. He says God's people in God's place under God's rule. That's how he describes the kingdom of God. God's people in God's place under God's rule. So simple but profound. So in a sense, this is true for us now. But as citizens of the kingdom, this is not... This is not our home. When Jesus returns, we'll see and experience this kingdom reality in full. Or as Martin Luther proclaims, To pray thy kingdom come is to yearn for that future life of justice and peace and to ask that your future kingdom may be the end and consummation of the kingdom you have begun in us. But until then, we have point number five which is to pray your kingdom come is to say yes to being his ambassadors. To pray your kingdom come is to say yes to being his ambassadors. To be an ambassador to a king was was to represent that king and country in both foreign nations and also among his people. They they would communicate, designate, authorize, and and, and act upon the desires of their king in all things as if if they were the hand of the king themselves. Which means then that this prayer is a request to be the hands and feet of the king, the mouths of the king, to be fellow workers of the kingdom of God, to represent the kingdom of heaven on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So to pray your kingdom come is synonymous to praying, Lord, make your appeal through us. Let your kingdom be made known in and through us. So our prayer then, our desire and call us Christians of the kingdom of God should be to represent our king through, through living in obedience to his word, by proclaiming his name and his gospel by building up the church by making disciples of all nations by bringing light into the places of darkness and in the same vein by showing those in this world a glimpse of the glory that's to come when Jesus returns which means that as Jesus's ambassadors we should reflect the kingdom in the way that 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 we comfort the broken in the way that we welcome the sinners bring hope to the hopeless feed the hungry lift up the Poor, encourage one another in the faith, stand up for justice, love our neighbor, and above all, in the way that we reconcile others to God by proclaiming the name and salvation of Jesus to those who don't know him. As J.R. Packer again writes, any request for a new display of God's sovereignty and grace, renewing the church, converting sinners, restraining evil, providing good in this world, is a further spelling out, Of Thy Kingdom come. As we as we pray for these things, for each other, for the lost, for God to work, and for God to work in us in order to see them accomplished, we're basically praying this prayer for God's kingdom to come. Therefore, as it says in Hebrews twelve twenty-eight to twenty-nine, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Lord, may your kingdom come. Amen.